You're listening to the Above the Mug Show, a podcast that highlights people whose passions drive their life. My name is Lucas Spinoza, and I own a coffee shop. Every day I meet dozens of interesting people, and today I sit down with one of them to inspire you to live your life passion forward. What is going on, everybody? It's your friend Lucas Spinoza coming at you from the Black Sheep Lounge right here in Welland, Ontario. You are listening to Above the Mug, a podcast that highlights positive people, and we're here to show you how you can use your passions to live your life passion forward. And today, joined by an incredibly special guest, we have Mr. Corey Hamilton. This guy does a plethora of things, uh, probably most notably as a carpenter and the owner-operator of Weekend Culture. How in the hell are you, brother? I'm good, thanks, man. How how are you doing? I'm great, thank you. Stoked to have you here. we did probably by the time people listen to this i guess it'll be probably about a month when we had uh, a little bit of an instagram poll some questionnaire and i was asking like people who wanted to do their own thing and you were saying that it was kind of jokingly but i'm stoked that you're here because i've never had anyone in your field uh doing what you do and obviously we have some mutual friends we have you know some mutual connections yeah lots of connections yeah a ton so how is it that Someone like you got into uh, your field, working as a carpenter into the, in the trades. Uh, well, like I had already, out of high school, like worked in construction in various fields. I worked as a steam fitter, uh, electrician, excavation, demolition, and then eventually carpentry. Um, like 10 years ago, I had an accident and I cut my index finger off and it kind of like shook everything up for a few years there. I was really uncertain where life was going and what I was doing. Um, and my friend and I started just building stuff in his backyard and kind of found a new passion after like the music life had died. Mm. Um, and it just kind of blossomed from there probably seven years ago. That's crazy, man. So uh, we'll talk about how the finger thing happened after, but I'm, I'm curious because you know, not many people, especially around our age, I, I think I'm probably a little younger than you, but people around our age don't have trades as something that's pushed down their throats, uh, especially in school. It's something that was available for some some people, but is it something that you picked up because you enjoyed it? Is it something that you always had in your life or was it more of an opportunity thinking, you know, I think there could be some money to be made in, in the trades? Uh, I think it just came naturally to me. I grew up out in the country in Waynefleet. Um, my dad had a big garage with tools and we were always fixing stuff, building stuff. So I like kind of grew up learning it mm. um i my parents would say i always had like a keen interest on taking things apart they'd buy me like a remote control car and in a couple hours i'd have it screwed apart that's awesome just because i wanted to know how it worked and i was always curious with that kind of work um so yeah working with my hands i think is not only like was taught to me but it's fairly instinctual for sure it's like just something that comes naturally to me well i think it plays a big part because i'm someone who is relatively handy like i can do little things here and there uh shelves drywall like you know like the the stuff that most most people should be able to do but i'm i'm definitely not super skilled like my girlfriend is more into like the mechanical side of things loves cars and trucks and things like that and her dad was the same way well is the same way and uh, I, I don't know how to even change an oil filter, so I'm completely useless when it comes yeah. to stuff like that. So I always find it amazing when, when guys or girls are interested in, in something like that where you're using your hands, because it's just such a, a lost art, in my opinion. So It's becoming that, I think, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think part of that, like, the school system kind of, like, dragged people away from that to a degree with, like, this idea that you had to go to college, you had to go to university, you had to do all of that and... So it wasn't pushed in school like it maybe previously was. Yeah, I think- um, Yeah, the ability to make more money and keep your hands clean kind of like took over for a long time there. Yeah, I think the thing now is you actually can make a ton of money in the trades if you're, I mean, obviously you have to pick the right one and you have to be able to work hard, but there's, there's so much freedom that comes along with being able to be handy. Like Absolutely. if you can do things for yourself, not only is it freeing in the sense that you don't have to wait for people to do it for you, but it's also financially freeing because the amount of money you have to pay someone like you to come and do it. If you know how to do it on your own, there's a ton of money to be saved. Like that's what mainly how I learned to become even as I guess as competent as I am, which isn't too competent, but competent enough is because of the black sheep here. Like 
after the first couple times you call people to fix things, you're like, okay, like I should be, I need to learn how to fix this on my own. So I started learning how to take my coffee machines apart and doing little things like changing gaskets and, you know, fixing little, uh, little wiring frays and things like that. But, uh, yeah, it's the amount of money it takes people, especially in the GTA, you call them and they, they charge you just to come to see you. Right. So you're, you're paying before you even get anything fixed. Yeah. You're paying a service call right before you anybody shows up at the yeah. door sort of deal which is fair because i mean if something's in demand why not sell it right y- yeah absolutely so what what was that switch like from music to uh to, to working with your hands was it kind of simultaneously because you said you were work- working with your dad since you were a kid anyway yeah uh, but was there a time when you were pursuing pursuing music as a career and then decided to to stop doing that and switch over to trades yeah kind of it happened relatively quickly and while when my accident happened i was playing in a band things were squirrely for a number of months there what were you playing i was playing guitar and and singing for the band so i spent i don't know maybe a couple of months just singing and kind of said like this can't happen anymore like this oh because that's your left your left hand is yeah and i was so i was just singing and like this is unnatural like i'm not I'm not playing in a band if I can't play guitar or something like that. Yeah. Um, and my friend Paul, who I started the, my first business with, was the drummer at the time, very talented musician. And he was like, let's shake things up. Like, let's find a new drummer. I'll play guitar. You're slowly learning. Mm. Keep learning. Play rhythm. And so we uh, assembled kind of a new crew and See. got the band going again. And it was... Oh no, probably three or four years there where that was life, you know, For working sure, crummy jobs and trying to be playing music as much as possible. Um, but I think everyone just kind of burnt out of that fight a little bit. Uh, like Paul had his first kid. I moved in with my now wife and was kind of settling down and yeah, people were moving, bass player moved to Montreal, that sort of thing. And yeah. there was one final show where we just kind of said, I looked at Paul and was like, we're done. And he was like, yep, we're done. And we never played again after that. It's crazy. Do you still play music now though? I, uh, like at home even, do you play guitar? A, a little bit. I'm not like a sit at home, play guitar kind of. I don't like playing guitar by myself really. Mm. I always like use guitar kind of like I use woodworking tools. It's just a tool to get the job done. I was never like, the guy that would sit there practicing scales and doing that sort of thing. For sure. So I tend to not play much anymore. I always tell myself I should, but it's just something that has kind of taken a back seat over the last yeah. years. Well, man, I think it's, I think it's a, an important thing for people to understand. You know, I, when I started doing this podcast, I did it because I wanted to show people locally that you could make money doing what you enjoy doing in Niagara, right? Yeah. And these are examples of people who are doing it, right? So it could be anything from something accessible to something that you didn't think was possible, or or even if that's something that is accessible, but you didn't realize how much money there is to be made in it or how many opportunities they are. And one of the main points of that is when you said about how you just didn't feel it anymore and that's why you stopped with bands, that's an honest and important thing to acknowledge for a lot of people. You can be passionate about something and then lose that passion. It's not a failure, it's actually a good thing because a lot of people will hold on to what they told people they wanted to do and then they're stuck in that and they're not genuinely happy. And so by you acknowledging like, hey, you know, I love this, but it's not my thing right now. I'm, this is my thing. And you moved on and you did something that you currently enjoyed doing and still do. Yeah. Uh, I think that's important. You know, I, I've been through the same thing where I've taken on things that I loved and then I stopped loving them. And now I'm doing exactly what I enjoy doing. So it's important to be continually pushing yourself and questioning yourself. Is this, is this truly what I want to be doing right now? So, yeah, I've been through it a few times. Like we owned that business cost and handcrafted for I don't know, two and a half, three years. Um, and I was having my first child and things were financially questionable. So this wasn't long ago then, it was five years uh, ago or, or so? Yeah, I shut down Costin about four years ago um, to go back to work, just steady income. Thought I was kind of burnt out of the self-employed struggle. Yeah. Didn't know if I wanted anymore. So I took a job as a, a production manager at a cabinetry shop mm-hmm. and 
lasted 18 months working for other people and realized that it's just not for me. Not your thing. So you, you started up Weekend Culture. Yeah, exactly. I kind of stepped And that was the beginning up. of that? Was that the first time you used that name or have you always had it kind of around? It was always kind of rambling around in my head and just like a theory that I liked. Mm. Um, and the, the basis is pretty simple. Like I want to build things that make people's time off work more enjoyable. I love that. Whether it's a piece of furniture or a new kitchen or a motorcycle or whatever it is. Mm like use my skills to not only make money and make a good living for myself, but make people's lives better at the same time. Yeah, it's and, an incredible philosophy, brother. Yeah. I, I think it's a, a huge thing because, you know, when COVID first came around and we, some people were paying attention to it, some people weren't. And uh, I was one of the people that thought, okay, well, I don't know, this will probably blow over soon. Like yeah. before the lockdown, like yeah. it was it was March 16th when the state of emergency happened in Ontario that I was like, oh shit. Yeah, this like, shit's I getting this, real. I think this is worse than we think it is. Yeah. And that's, you know, a couple weeks in, you know, I think everyone kind of took the first few weeks as a vacation. Oh, this is great. You know, we could take some time off, enjoy ourselves. But then time goes by and you're like, man, like I'm getting bored or I'm running out of money or something. And I think that pushed a lot of people to become a little bit more creative. Maybe it pushed people to do those projects they've been push, uh, pushing off. Like my mom, she's always wanted a deck in her backyard. And that was her project with her and her boyfriend. They're like, you know what? We're going to do that this summer, you know? And, yep. they, and they built their deck and they, uh, not finished, but they, they made the basement more livable and things yep. like that in the house. So now for the times, like my mom's back to work. When, when she's off work now, she can enjoy her house a little bit more. And I, I think you, you really nailed it. This is something that, you know, work has to be enjoyable. And that's why I do this podcast because I need, people need to understand that a third of their life, they're going to be spending working somewhere. So yeah. you have, you should be enjoying that. The other third you're sleeping. So you need a good mattress. And that last <laughs> third is yours, right? Yeah. That last third is yours to truly enjoy. And I think that's where you come in, right? Like yeah. Making people enjoy that last third of their life that they have the most control over. So don't, don't just wait around, like call somebody, you call know, me. call Corey, yeah. you know, get, do those cabinets, build that deck, you know, whatever it is yeah. that you're trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. I think like, yeah, I've strived and had my own battles owning, as I'm sure you've had being self-employed, like finding that balance mm -hmm. where I was working too much and life was a little too chaotic to enjoy that time off. Mm -hmm. um, and it's something I've worked really hard at to find a balance within my business where I can work and come home and be happy and just good and health, mentally healthy. And it's a, a balance. But now that I like you said, spend that third building stuff that I love and genuinely enjoy. And it improves other people's lives. When I come home, I feel more satisfied. For sure. I feel happier to sit down at the end of the day, knowing that I've spent the day doing something I'm good at and enjoy and it's improved somebody else's life. Absolutely. And every time you do it, obviously your skills improve. Uh, and there's something about, you know, getting purpose out of your work or being proud of something that you created. And I think that's one beautiful thing about owning your own business or providing a service like what you're doing is, you know, you, you actually get to take something you're good at, make somebody's life improve. And from that, it just, it really fulfills you in life, right? It makes you think like, here's something that I created with my hands and here's how it's changing somebody's life. Like for me, I do coffee, which is very, I mean, like very recognizable, very easy to get into if people wanted to, but to take something that people take for granted, right? Like, like uh, coffee, you know, everyone yep. can get coffee pretty much anywhere, like every gas station, every convenience store, like some of the sketchiest places in the world, like they could have one light bulb left and it's kind of <laughs> flickering and you walk inside and they probably still have a coffee they've machine. They've got a coffee machine, they're, they're, yeah. So to take something like that that's everywhere and, and make it just different enough and just good enough for people to take a step out of their day to day and think, holy, this is like different. Yeah. Like it almost surprises people, right? Where they get the same thing over and over again. They're in their routine. Then they try ours and they're like, man, this is different from what I've had before. And even if it's not their favorite, at least it's different. It makes them experience something new. Uh, and that to me, it, and that's just at the most basic level with coffee, right? That makes me feel like really good. You know, yeah. knowing something that I created, you know, I take a raw product, I turn it into something that I'm happy with and I put it in a bag and sell it to people. Uh, and I genuinely want them to enjoy it. And I think that's 
the one beautiful thing about being a smaller business is people get to recognize you. They yeah. recognize me and our faces and our hearts are on that product. And so we're not going to give you something we're not proud of because that means that it's going to reflect us as people as well. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So I'm curious as well, like what part of your, um, of your business is the, the primary focus? Like what do you think you do the most um, in your day to day These job? These days, um, I'm working downtown St. Catharines as more of a general contractor, uh, renovating four apartments, and so it's so top to bottom stuff. Top, yeah, like top floors, to bottom framing everything. Yeah, um, yeah. About right around this time last year, I was almost only making furniture, um, and my the where I had my w workshop, the building got sold, and I had to be out upon the takeover of the new owner. Um, I shuffled things around, moved stuff into my garage, tried to build a few things, found myself just like really, really frustrated not having the space and setup that I was comfortable in mm -hmm. um, and had an opportunity, got a call from uh, an older um, client of mine that he needed a whole bunch of work. So I started working for him a few days a week, kind of figuring my stuff out and opportunities just kept happening there. So I'm basically working for him full time right now. Crazy. Um, working, yeah, building these apartments with uh, another coworker of mine. That's great, man. So yeah. like, I'm, I'm just curious really, like how much of it are you doing? Like he said, here's an empty room and you're basically putting walls up, you're doing all the finishing and everything? Absolutely, yeah. So we, when I got up there, it was already demolished. So it basically just like, Four, four apartments walls. with four walls, um, got all of the designs from the designer and just started bringing material in, framing bathrooms, um, insulating, drywalling, we're working out plans for flooring, installing all the kitchen cabinetry, trim, windows, everything. That's really cool. Yeah. And so you, you said that you, you have a, like a child yep. and four, four years four. old? Yeah, she just turned four. So you have a four-year-old girl at home and a wife and, and the small business, right? Yeah. So how has, how did that change? Um, because it sounds like it was about the same time you became self-employed at the same time you had a kid. Is that very close to it? Yeah. Like I had owned Costin, um, for a few years, closed it before we had Jordan. Mm -hmm. And then I think she was probably about a year old when I uh, jumped ship on the company and, and started weekend culture again. And that's, that's a, a jump, right? That's a yeah. risk to take. Yeah. It was scary for sure. Um, I guess it wasn't really, I guess that's where I like, I think I'm able to be a little, uh, risky with it because worst case scenario as a, with my skill set, there's work available. Yeah. So I'm willing, or I'm, able to be a little risky in what I do with the idea if like my work dries up, I can call a contractor in the area and probably get a job. Yeah. Which is great. And probably be back to work in four or five days. And that, that has so, to do with some of that freedom we were talking about earlier, right? Where yeah. being in this kind of field, I mean, there's so much flexibility and so much freedom, but I think that's really cool. The timing. Uh, and I want to highlight that a little bit because I, I think, for myself and the businesses that I grew up in, like my dad's had his bakery next door for about 18 years and I'm 26. So you do the math, you know, that's, that's an eight, eight years of my life. I didn't spend in his business, yeah. but then on my mom's side, you know, my grandpa owned, used to own Falls Manor on, in Niagara Falls. Okay, yeah. So that's been there since 1953. And I grew up in, in that uh, business as well. And being a little kid, being a baby and then growing up and you're now a little kid, spend your childhood in, in small business. I was around family all the time. And, you know, I've been having this conversation with my girlfriend more recently because now we're both at the point where, you know, we're going to talk about getting married, talking about having kids in the future. Right. And she's a nurse full time. And, and yeah. sometimes she's working crazy hours and we're like, well, what are we going to do? Right. What are we going to do when we have kids? I'm like, having a business is the best for having a kid. I mean, the flexibility, you know, you're, your daughter's so young still, you don't have to worry about dance recitals or sports or anything like that yet. Yeah. But the fact is like, if you need to run home or if you need to spend that extra hour or want to, or you want to take her with you, there's so much flexibility to do that. Like totally, I'm sure there someone would probably have sued my dad now <laughs> for doing it, but he used to take me cause he did 
did some uh, construction on the side when he was baking in Niagara Falls, and he literally used to take my brother and I up on the roof and like tie us with a rope to the chimney and yeah, just, just hang out on the roof. Hang out for a few hours, boys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and that kind of stuff I think is amazing. They're experiences that you don't get to to have unless you're in a, a family of, of small business owners. Absolutely. It doesn't need to be a bunch, even like for yourself. I'm sure you could take your daughter to a job site if your wife is busy or working or somewhere else, right? Yeah, I've taken her to like meetings and stuff and it, when it's like kind of an off day where I'm not building and making a ton of noise, mm. she'll load up with me and go like, go off to meetings, check out new jobs, go pick up material, do all that kind of stuff. Mm. And it, yeah, it definitely offers flexibility with her. Like, and a good selling feature, I'm sure. Yeah. People yeah. love to see, oh my God, what yeah. a, I want to hire the family man. Right? Yeah. They barely talk to me when, when I bring her, they're just like, oh, what's your name? Okay. I'll just go over there. Don't worry about me. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely helped a lot. You know, like she's sick I'm like, well, I don't have to work. Like I'll have to make up the time for sure. But yeah, I can stay home. I can swing my schedule around. Um, and that's even, an important, that's an important distinction. I just want to touch on that quickly and then I'll let you jump back in. But that's the beautiful thing about it. When we talk about things like this, where yes, we're flexible, doesn't mean you can abandon what you're doing. Of course, you've, you have to make up that work. And that's an important thing to remember for people listening is yes, there's flexibility, but there's still sacrifice other places. So if you were yeah. supposed to be watching a football game on Sunday, but you took the Saturday off so you could spend time with Jordan, you're going to have to skip the football game. You're going to have to sort something whatever out. You, yeah. Whatever the case may be, you have to do something. Sorry, I just yeah. wanted to point that out. Yeah, like I took off for five days in July with a friend, took off for a motorcycle camping trip, and uh, like it felt great. It was like a getaway that I needed, mm -hmm. but I came home and like, the first day back to work was like, oh, <laughs> there's so much to do. I know, it's crazy. And it almost makes, I, I mean, it's something I've always battled because it almost makes vacation, like almost feel guilty about it or like it's a bad idea, even though it's like so necessary to recharge and get away. I think that's just your mindset though. Yes. Yeah. A lot of us are like that, right? Where I, for me, I can't enjoy it until I'm there. Like yeah. I don't enjoy planning vacations. I don't plan. I don't enjoy packing for them. I don't like the flights. I don't like the drives. I, I do like long drives, but I just don't like planning for all this stuff. I just yeah. want to be there. Like if we're going to a cottage, once I've unpacked and I'm at the water, I'm happy. But totally. the whole process before and after, it's like I'm just busy thinking and, and plotting too much. But I don't know. Part of it's guilt, but part of it's also because I, I don't know anything else other than working even if it doesn't look like working like when i'm sitting around here drinking coffee talking to people it's still part of my job and i yeah. enjoy that right so yeah yeah like that five days was very crucial like we we left with no itinerary that's awesome. just two motorcycles that may or may not run for five <laughs> days uh, enough like clothes and rain gear and a tent to survive and just hopped and started riding so you didn't go to like some campground you were just yeah, like we did 2,300 kilometers over five days, just bopping around. We, uh, yeah, we rode all over the place, like ended up on Manitoulin Island with no <laughs> reservations, no ferry, but we thought we were going to have to sleep uh, in the grass in front of the ferry terminal because we couldn't get a motel. Fortunately, like we had some good luck and we were able to get a room, but it was just kind of that unplanned go. I love that. Which felt so uh so different from day-to-day -day life where i have to be planned and organized and it's not something i'm real good at so i fight <laughs> fight to be planned and organized <laughs> so this trip was like so good and just like throwing all that out the window for sure and just go for five days and it was uh very refreshing and probably one of the first trips where i didn't feel as guilty about it when i came home because i knew it was like I'd be doing better work when I came home. For sure. If I got those days away to just like clear my head, do some good thinking and come back feeling better. For sure, man. I, I think that's so important to recognize like people that, that are first, especially if you're first starting a business and like I'm five years in now and I still consider that like new at this. Yeah. And so I'm just getting to the point now where I'm starting to feel more comfortable uh, making those kinds of decisions because you recognize that you become um, 
a, a worse version of yourself if you don't refresh, if you don't have hobbies, if you don't have you know, any friend life outside of work. Uh, and COVID has been difficult for that, right? Like yeah. you have to really, I mean, there's very few things you can do. Most of my hobbies luckily are, um, you know, kind of isolated interests. They're things I can do on my own, pretty much do them anywhere. I don't need people to be around. But my favorite thing to do is eat at restaurants. Like that's my absolute number one thing. I'm a big foodie. I want to eat at a restaurant four times a week. You know, yeah. that's because I don't spend money on anything else. I just just food, you know, yeah, that. Uh, and not being able to do that. Now we're finally starting to be able to do that, but it's not fun anymore. It's like it feels like such a task to try and like go even the most, I guess, the most well prepared of the restaurants you can go to where you know they make it as seamless as possible that you don't have to ask many questions you kind of they have it set up so you kind of know what to do even then because as soon as someone comes to the table in a hazmat suit it's just hard to get comfortable thinking you know I'm going to relax and enjoy myself and yeah it can't help like it can't not uh, affect the vibe of sitting down <laughs> yeah. to eat, you know like like we've been to some of our favorite spots where we know everybody and like um, the smoking buddha in Port Colburn like been there a million times. I mm-hmm. love it. I'm friends with Kevin. Shout out to Kev. It's such an amazing spot, and it still is during all this. But I just don't think those businesses can like feel the same. Yeah, with, it, in a, the weird. current state. Yeah, it's very very weird. Yeah. But the reason I brought that up is because uh, I think hobbies are very very important, and I think if you don't have that like you said, you don't get refreshed and recharged. And I think you're not going to be able to put in your best work because you're just not at a hundred percent, right? It's totally, it's like, it's like a vehicle. I mean, I don't know anything about vehicles, but I'm sure if you got a, if you got dirty oil, it's not going to run at its, at its peak. Right. So totally. Yeah. um, It may run, but it's going to be chugging along and and not doing it. It's not performing at its peak. It's not going to be happy about it. Yeah. And and that's the thing, right? Like, so for me, I like to read. Uh, That's something that I enjoy enjoy doing. I love watching documentaries. Uh, I love playing drums. So like I try to make sure that I I schedule that into my day. And before I never did that because I'm like, it's not enjoyable if you schedule it, blah, blah, blah. But it really does become more enjoyable because you have to be able to get yourself in that mindset. I would spend like an hour and a half trying to get myself to wind down to be able to read. Totally. And then by the time that happens, I've already run at a time and I'm just not there. So if, if I tell myself at eight o'clock every day, I'm going to read for an hour. By the time that it hits 745, my body's already preparing to like it already knows you're going to read at eight o'clock. So just chill out a little bit. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's been really good for me. And, and recently now I, I feel like I'm producing more. I'm, I'm giving the business more I'm more attentive. I'm in the moment where sometimes I'd be physically present, but mentally somewhere else. Just, right. Yeah. Totally elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I find that like in my garage now is just basically a motorcycle shop <laughs> and I, I go there at night and just like, polish apart or you know like just like fiddle with stuff come up with plans for things that don't really matter but i just enjoy doing kooky shit with motorcycles mm-hmm. um and i it, an hour or two out there it just like it just winds me right down yeah and you need that i think I, I don't want to get too personal necessarily but f- for me anyway i find that like my girlfriend and I are very close. My family, are, we're all very close. So like, it's a huge part of my life. Yeah. And the, when I'm not, when I don't give myself that hour a day or so to like do something for me, I feel like even when I'm done work, I'm not able to be the best person in a relationship, not just with, with my girlfriend, but with my family and with my friends. I feel like I'm just not giving them what they need because my like Lucas inside is not good, right? Like yeah. I, I need to, I need to take a breath. I need to read. I need to do something right to distract myself from work, not to distract as it's, as if it's a negative, but to focus on something else that is kind of like taking a breath. Right. Yeah. And then once you do spend time with your family or, or whomever, you know, you're able to give them a hundred percent of your attention and, and your time. Right. Totally. Even when you're doing something you love, I think it starts to feel like work after a of while. Course, like yeah. it can't not, um, so yeah, you need something to shut down. And for some, some people, maybe that is just being around family, you know, like mm-hmm. for me personally, I'm like you, I need like kind of my quiet time, yeah. my reset on my own, nobody around just like get away and not forget about the day, but just not have it 
at the focal point of of what's going yeah, on being, in your life. Being present in yourself for a moment. Cause yeah. even when you're working, if it's, if it's something that you love, like what we do, you know, I, I love it and I enjoy every second of it, but you're still, you're, you're still outwardly focusing, right? You're still focusing on your surroundings as opposed to focusing, focusing inward. And I think that's what it really is. It's just taking a moment to turn the camera around and look at yourself for a little bit, yeah. focus on that, feel, you know, figure out how you feel for that day and then just move on from it. Right. It's then, then you don't need to focus on the N word as much. Absolutely. I, uh, my wife and I pre previous to COVID, um, were going to meditation classes once a week cool, man. and it was a really, really cool experience. Something that like definitely had positive in impacts for both of us. Mm -hmm. And so much of that was like shutting your brain down. You know, sure. like finding the ability to, which is something I had always struggled with. I, like every time I've been self-employed, like in situations, find myself like two o'clock in the morning, wide awake down on the couch because my brain's just running yep. a million miles an hour and then I'm not sleeping well. And that it just like snowballs into a really unhealthy spot. Yeah. Um, and those classes taught me a lot about just the necessity of slowing down of like taking a deep breath, doing something you enjoy that kind of drags you away from all the crap that e even when life is good, For it's sure. still filled with all of the to-dos and being able to get away from that in whatever way possible is yeah. so, so necessary, especially like for me, for sure. No, like, I think, I think I you're absolutely right, brother. I don't run good unless I'm, <laughs> unless I'm getting some of that in my life. For sure. I, I'm curious about, you know, where you, discovered that that was something that you wanted to do. I know for myself, like, you know, some people call it meditation. Some people will consider it as a prayer. Some people will say it's a ritual. Like I'm, I'm more of a ritualistic kind of guy. And I like when people say it's their daily ritual, because as long as you're actually focusing on it, when you're doing it, some people that could be making tea, you know, yeah. like making a peppermint tea before you go to sleep, that's your kind of your ritual. But like, it's different when you're doing it as a robot. It's like a routine. It's something that you just do because it, you have to do it now it's scheduled. And then what I think is more positive for a person is when you're making that peppermint tea, you're engaged in that you are making that a process and you're, you're focusing on making it, you're focused on drinking it and really enjoying that time. And I think meditation is, is kind of the same idea. It's like taking that moment, focusing on that, you know, focusing inward and, and, you know, so everyone's got their own thing, right? I'm curious how you discovered it. Like, how did you know this is something that you wanted to do? Uh, I think for, like for me, it was a long time coming. Like it was 10 years ago, I had my accident and I didn't deal with it well. There was a lot of therapy and bad situations that came out of it. It sure. um, kind of came to a broke, breaking point and went through with some heavy therapy and often meditation and those kind of exercises came up as healthy, healthy patterns to get, get into and mm -hmm. healthy uh, tools to to help yourself a little bit. Um, and I've always kind of dabbled in it and then gotten busy and pushed it away. And um, probably two years ago was like, was not feeling good, you know, and like feeling back kind of the way I was post accident, just mm. struggling with some depression and like my PTSD and everything was kind of at the forefront of so many of my thoughts in a day. Mm -hmm. um, and my wife found this class and asked if I was interested and thought she thought it would be good for both of us. Um, and I was just kind of open to anything that could help, you know, anything that's really that, good of you, man, anything that I knew I needed to do something to help myself. Yeah. Um, and I had been back in therapy a little bit and she found this class and it was a, it was a real game changer. It was really, really cool. Yeah. And so many people don't deal, especially men, right? Like this yeah. is such a man thing to do where like you'll feel a certain way and you don't want to put that burden on other people or you don't want to show weakness or whatever the case may be. And they just never help themselves. And in turn, that ends up hurting the people they love. So Absolutely. kudos to you, man, for like recognizing that in yourself and doing something about it. Cause you know, I, I've, I've been through things not for physical problems, but you know, about a, um, probably about eight months ago, I had a, you know, an accident where, you know, I was driving and I had my girlfriend and her brother in the car and it was a Friday, it was nighttime and raining and some guy had stepped out into the street and I didn't see him. And I saw him last minute and I swerved out of the way and I'd clipped him with my mirror, right? Yep. 
clipped him with my mirror. And even still, the guy was fine. Nothing happened. You know, they found out that I was, to I was com completely fine. I didn't do anything wrong. I reacted. This person was somewhere they weren't supposed to be. It wasn't at a crosswalk. It was just in the middle of the street at night in the rain. Yeah. And even from that, like for months, you know, I couldn't drive. Like I, I was yeah. like shaky and uneasy and nervous and like people, people need to deal with that. You know, like yeah, you need totally. to recognize that you have a, that that's a problem, you know? Yeah. And, and so I spend a lot of time talking about it and you know, when it first happened, I was shook, shook up of course, but like after that kind of went away the feeling and then it kind of crept up on me as I started doing more everyday stuff. And like, it's so important, especially for guys like recognize when, when something happens, that's traumatic in your life you have to deal with that you know totally and yeah. because it affects you forever and i i think that's great that you found meditation the reason i like ritual over prayer is because i find when when you're doing a prayer you're putting it out to something else whether it's a god or the universe or whatever you're trying to do you're like asking for help or something where ritual is more like getting rid of a feeling right yeah it's like you know maybe you want to write something you're mad and you want to write it on a piece of paper and light it on fire like it's to purge it right you're getting it out of you're not looking for help you're just killing it right you're yeah, killing totally. that feeling and and that could be used for good things too if you want to you know if you're overwhelmed in joy you know and, yeah. and sometimes that can be distracting too <laughs> yeah. right so i i think that's it's cool that you do that yeah i think i was i was fortunate it's i've always had this uh, funny feeling about my accident like sucks i wish i still had my finger <laughs> but it was it taught me so much like it i was at a point where i had to realize like something's got to change or i'm gonna die um it wasn't there yet but it was on its way there um and it forced me for really the first time in my life to talk not just be shut out and like oh yeah i'm fine when mm -hmm. i wasn't fine i had to be like no i feel like shit. yeah for sure like and i had to talk to therapists and friends and family about what was really going on with me rather than just doing my best to cover it up. So yeah. I wasn't a burden on people. Um, and I still over the years haven't been good. I know the tools, but I have to work to use them for sure, man. Um, and then this meditation class, yeah, really just kind of showed me maybe, I don't know if it's an easier way, but like a different way of dealing with it. Absolutely. Than what I had gone through previously. And it's, uh, yeah, the positivity that it brought to our lives was huge. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think even if you don't have a, anything that you would consider, you know, in air quotes wrong with you, right? I think it's still important for everybody to, t to try new things, especially things like that, because you, you may not find any value in it, but you may. And if yeah. you do, like, what a huge step forward, right? I, I find that everyone that I've talked to that does some sort of ritualizing in their day or meditation in their day, it doesn't need to be every day, but at least if it's on a routine basis, I find that they find some real benefits and they, they just feel more themselves. They feel more honest, yeah. you know, and, and that really provides a confidence for your everyday life. And that's, it's huge. Absolutely. Uh, I'm curious now, we, you mentioned motorcycles a few times. Yeah. How big of a part is that in your life? Do you, do, like, is this something you've been doing from basically a kid as well? Yeah. My dad rode his, my entire life. So I was on a bike by the time I was, I don't know, four or five, I was riding. Um, through my teenage years, stepped away from it, um, moved around a bunch and just was a musician, broke musician and didn't have money <laughs> to, to uh, enjoy that part of my life. Um, and probably about five or six years ago, it kind of started to become something that I wanted to get involved with again. And it's bit by bit takes over more and more of my life in a really positive way. So uh, is this a hobby or is this a side business? Um, a bit of both, I guess. It's slowly turning into a friend of mine and I are um, working through the business planning stages of opening a supply shop. Cool. Um, there's not, there's a few businesses in and around the area, but we're both uh, kind of old vintage bikes and there's, it's not real easy to get parts for those those bikes um like he's a harley guy and he had to do some work over the winter and he's ordering parts from all over canada and mm -hmm. i'm like why can't we get these here like there's especially during covid so, man getting parts is brutal yeah yeah so he was like there's so many motorcyclists in niagara that 
like a lot of the big businesses are only kind of dealing with newer machines now and they're not dealing with old crusty 1970s <laughs> files of junk that that we want to be working on um so yeah we're kind of working on starting a business to hopefully be able to su supply those goodies to people in the region that um that are into the same thing that's great and so you you can work on bikes then yeah yeah i've been like i i'm still learning it's sure, like course. yeah i've uh i built i guess two of my own now built like torn them apart over a winter and kind of redesigned Replace parts like, change it up yeah yeah and small engine work and learning just keep learning more and more about it about what's possible and that's very cool um yeah it's something that that i really enjoyed just like kind of like i said when i was a kid taking something apart like i bought a motorcycle that i knew was busted mm. kind of with the idea of like i'm gonna tear this engine apart and learn how the bottom end works because i've never done that before that's very cool um so yeah it's like grown into a substantially bigger part of my life over especially over the last couple of years um i think it's something it's kind of the same like getting to me getting on a bike those five days it's like very meditative in its own way like on that trip you're riding eight nine hours a day and there were parts where like full control of my bike but like 15 minutes would have gone by and I'd kind of snap back and like my brain had just like drifted off for sure and it felt so relieving you know like just like the weight of the world was gone for 15 or 20 minutes or hours at a time yeah that's um, huge so I, yeah it's something that I've realized is like a a big crucial part of my life that brings me a lot of joy so kind of with my carpentry the same just trying to incorporate it to make people's lives better that have those bikes and are struggling to get parts and definitely it's super cool man yeah. like i've never been a big vehicle person um more recently i've considered um taking up riding and and getting into for the longest time i didn't want to it's gonna sound hilarious because of my hair yeah. <laughs> it's like, i don't really want to wear what do i do with that but now i have very little left so yeah. i don't really care I'm, I'm running out of hair days so i'm thinking it's probably a good time to get my license yeah but uh yeah i've, I've always liked the idea of them and it's just it's a cool aesthetic too right like yeah, totally. being able to to throw on a helmet and just go off and especially where we are i mean we're in Niagara, we're so close to kind of everything. Like yeah. you want to do those really cool trips through Pennsylvania and, and, you know, go through the mountains. That's a lot of fun. You can do that. Cause we're like two hours away. Yeah. You, you want to go up North. You're a three hour drive. And you know, if you want to go through Montreal and head out East, you can do that. And we're, yeah. we're so close kind of to everything in Ontario and, and really uh, amazing riding, amazing like, riding. Yeah. Yeah top-notch riding which is really cool and yeah. i mean even if you wanted to do city riding it's not that bad here yeah. right? i mean like especially where you are in wayne fleet right i mean like yeah. you can pretty much once you get off the main drag there's there's nothing uninterrupted kilometers yeah. right of, of roads just yeah. to, to boot out and and relax which is really cool yeah absolutely i uh it's a a hard thing to explain to somebody like that pleasure that motorcycles motorcyclists talk about like because it like my wife and I just rode to uh, Manitoulin Island and back last weekend I guess yeah last weekend do you ride together or does your wife ride on her own she's got her own bike now That's yeah cool. yeah so we rode up on separate bikes and like it was, was the longest trip she's ever taken and like having conversation about it like you kind of have to be to do long trips like that like a bit of a masochist because it, it hurts there's no way you're sitting on a bike for nine hours without being in pain. Of course, it hurts sitting in a car. Yeah. And yeah, you have to be, I mean, like, not that you don't pay attention in a car, but it's not the same. I mean, like, you can't, you can't, like, change the radio, like, or well, obviously you can, but it's not the same. Like, you yeah. can't, like, drift off and, like, flip through songs and, like, the same way that you could in a car, right? Totally. Yeah, you've got to be a little more attentive at all times <laughs> and... And you're because also getting people rattled don't around. see you. They're stupid, and they uh, yeah. It's like cars have it. They want to kill bikes or something. Really, I mean, they don't. People don't drive thinking about motorcycles unless they know someone who rides. Like, totally. luckily for me, I have friends and family that ride, so like I I know to look for them, especially in the in the right season, you know. Yeah. But like most people grow up not seeing a motorcycle, not knowing how to deal with them, and the same thing's true of transport trucks, right? Like yeah. people don't know how to rot like to drive around transport trucks, right? Like yeah. where not to stay, you know, not to be in front of them, things like that, right? So, yeah, totally. Yeah, I think there's. 
I mean, I think the awareness is growing, but every spring at the start of the season, you hear story after story about cyclists being killed or badly injured in crashes where they're just, people aren't thinking about them yet. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you, you've got to be attentive. Not, you need to yeah, know you what they're going to do before attentive. they do it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Expecting the worst all the time, kind of when you're around vehicles. Um, so yeah, it's mentally and physically exhausting, but at least for me, I find it like so rewarding for sure. Yeah. It, like this ride, we got off after eight hours of riding and like every bone in my body hurt, but I was so happy. And it's cool. like, seems like such a weird thing. Like I just chose to kick the crap out of myself for seven or eight hours. And it seems like foolish, but I know it's, I think that's a form of meditation for a lot of people too, right? Like you just, you get to be in your own head and, and just like think uninterrupted and people in our generation and younger, they just don't, they don't do that. They don't know what it's like to have no head, you know, like to not be actively thinking about something and then just, it's weird. It's weird when you always have a task and then you have nothing to distract you from your own mind. You know, that's, it's a weird feeling for a lot of people. I really enjoy it, but even someone who enjoys it, like myself, it's hard to tune into that. Like you, you, you need something like riding a bike or reading or whatever it is like to get yourself to that point to where you literally can't think about anything else. You have, you have to kind of be there. And that's what I love about long drives by yourself. You know, like it doesn't need to be that long, but I find like, I love driving to Ottawa yep. because once you pass Toronto, you have basically four hours of, of the one straight, straight line and yeah. it's, there's very little traffic and you can just kind of think, you know, even yeah. if like you turn off the radio and just, just you know, sit there in just silence. There. It's, yeah. I don't know. I kind of like it. Maybe yeah. it's a guy thing. I don't know. I, yeah, I think like, I think it's just a thing, but you just have to be comfortable in that for sure. Like, I've often struggled with like being comfortable in that silence. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's where the motorcycle, like it's just loud enough and abrasive enough that like, it's not total silence. Like, yeah. and there's so much going on that I've like, it's just the right thing to disengage me. For sure. I um, mean, you got tattoos like I do, so I'm sure there's other things that are loud and painful that you enjoy doing too. Yeah, so. exactly. Like I used to, used to really enjoy that. I, I've grown soft in that. <laughs> I've grown soft in that department. The last time I sat down for one, I'm like, this sucks. Like, yeah. Once you get disconnected from it, it, it's hard getting back into it. That's yeah. For sure. it, it had been a few years and I had got this one on my arm done and it was like, Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm over it. That's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, where was I going to go with this? I had another question for you. Um, it was about motorcycles still. Oh yes. Oh, that's what it was. So I had just recently purchased a 1978 Cadillac hearse, which is a really cool vehicle. Uh, I've, I've, there's been very few things in life where vehicles in life that I've, I've actually wanted because I drive a a Kia soul. So you can tell I'm not much of a, of a dragster by any means. I I just like vehicles that are comfortable, affordable and totally and fuel efficient. Hence why I drive what I drive. I like the way it looks too, which is fun. But anyway, like I've never been the kind of guy that like dreamed of this, of a truck or like a sports car or anything. The two vehicles I've always wanted. One was a seventies hearse. Cadillac specifically. Uh, and the other thing is a sixties volts Volkswagen bus, like everybody else. Right. Uh, the hearse is a little bit more esoteric. It's harder to find. It's, you know, harder to, to find people that care about things. It's a weird thing to drive, especially when it's that old people have been dead in it. It's not like a new hearse (laughs) off the lot. Not like there's dead people in this, in this vehicle. Uh, and so when I finally found one that I could afford, I was like so excited, but you know, because I'm not that handy. And when I say not that, I mean, not at all handy (laughs) with vehicles. It needed to run. Right. And so to find a vehicle like that, that runs that I can afford, like the market is so small. Yeah. Right. So luckily it was just like the right situation for me. Someone out near where you are uh, bought it recently and found something else they wanted and needed to get rid of this thing. And very few people are willing to buy a hearse. (laughs) So I was like finally able to get it. Yeah. And of course, uh, we said it a few times, the term pre COVID, this yeah. was literally, I bought it in February and thinking like, oh yeah, it's almost summertime, which is our, our good season, right? I'll be able to make some money and I, I can justify buying this thing. Right. Yeah. And then sure enough, COVID hits. I'm like, oh, well shit, this thing, <laughs> this thing's going to sit for a while. Bad, bad timing. But yeah. luckily for me, um, 
I, look, I found out that I would qualify for classic car insurance, but I wasn't 26 yet. So okay. you have to be 26 to be able to, to get it on your own. Yeah. Uh, and because you can't drive a classic vehicle that isn't insured under your own name unless you're over 26. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, man. I, I was like, my birthday's in June. It's February. So I'm like, I have a buddy who's a mechanic and, and just wants to work on it. So he's like, yeah, give me the hearse. I'll give it back to you later. So now, mind you, it's basically September. Um, <laughs> and, and I still don't have it. But, but. I'm excited because I'm going to be getting it back and still have the fall to drive this thing. Cause driving a boat that size, this, I mean, it's the biggest, this, I shouldn't say it's the biggest. It's the longest vehicle I've ever driven. Yeah. It's crazy long. Yeah. It's like a bus. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so it, the AC works cause it's a Cadillac, Oh, nice. but it, it's not a, it's not a 2020 vehicle. Right. Yeah. So that it doesn't get that cold. Yeah. Uh, so I'm happy that I'll be able to drive it in the fall. Not, With the windows the down summer. a little bit and <laughs> yeah. be comfortable. A little cool breeze coming yeah. through. Um, have you, Although you've been around vehicles, has there been something that like you dreamed of or has it always been motorcycles? Primarily motorcycles. I mean, I drove here like a old 1984 pickup truck. Cool. Um, that is very worse for wear, <laughs> um, but I love it. It's just like that old style of truck has always, I think probably from my childhood, my dad and grandpa both had those old square body pickup trucks. There's just something nostalgic about them that I love. For sure. Um, so I picked that one up about three years ago and it like, I hadn't actually driven it in probably a month or so during all this. And I hopped in it this morning after fixing a couple of things in it and like five minutes down the road, it, I was smiling for no reason. Like radio doesn't work. I just had a smile on my face cause it's just, cool. just a fun vehicle to drive. For sure, man. I think that's really cool. And you know what I, I find awesome too? When you think about older vehicles, like you can pick them up for very, very cheap. If you, if you spend some time looking, especially if there's something like you're dreaming of, like for me, I've always wanted the hearse and I've been looking since I was 16. As long as I could drive, I was like, okay, I got to get me one of these things. Yeah. And I've never found one that I could afford. Like, and even now as an adult and you know, at the, before COVID I had some disposable income, not, not enough to buy something like, outrageous but i'm like i could probably drop five or six thousand bucks and and get a vehicle and and do that and i i still couldn't find anything affordable but then yeah. finally found this thing that i, I could and I, I like to tell people especially when it comes to vehicles take your time you know and if you cut out literally if you go for dinner once a week and spend a hundred bucks over the course of a year, that's $5,200. Yeah. You could buy that hearse in one year if you just don't. Let's say if you go out for dinner two times a week, cut it down to one, yeah. and right there you can afford a brand new vehicle after a year. Yeah. Not brand new, but you can afford the vehicle that you're looking for, like something totally. fun, and totally. you can boot around with it. Like, and five grand's even a lot. Like You can pick up a lot of vehicles for under 5000 oh, yeah. bucks. Yeah, totally. And like motorcycles are the same way. Like If you're willing to spend the time and energy to fix them, you can buy like a motorcycle for 400 bucks. Yeah. It might not run right away, but if you are willing to either pay somebody or spend the time to learn, yep. you can have a motorcycle on the road for under $1,000, no problem. My, my girlfriend got her, like about a, not even a year ago, she found, like her and her dad found a 2003 BMW X5 for $300 Holy with a hundred thousand kilometers on it. Like nothing, yeah. right? Like this, this thing's not a new vehicle, but BMWs, like anything German is always going to work, right? And, yeah. And I just couldn't believe it. this thing works. It ran, but the problem was the interior was was in, was completely water damaged. Okay. So like mold inside, and and they literally spent the entire summer like they took the, everything out, all the interior, all the, all the fabric, the dash, and replaced all of it. But because they took their time with it and they went to scrapyards, whatever, they only ended up spending a thousand dollars in parts to get a two thousand three. X5 BMW. That's wild. Which is like an $80,000 vehicle brand new it, yeah. to account for inflation. Just insane for, for $1,300. Yeah, it's nuts. Like, yeah. that's like three months of car payments for a new car. And yeah. she has one that has, hasn't had any problems. They had to replace the battery recently, and that, that was it. That's, that's nothing. Like, yeah, disposable parts of vehicles that Crazy. are going to go. Yeah. I just, I think that kind of stuff's really cool. Like, my, my brother's the same way. Like, if there's something you love, it doesn't it's not hard to afford these things. Even yeah. people who say, oh, I don't have the money for that. I'm like, well, you have the money for pot. You have yeah. the money for video games. If yeah. you just cut out one of those things or like cut it in half, 
you'll have the money to buy that vehicle or have the money to, to do that thing, go on that trip, whatever it is, right? Totally. Like, if you you're can go into to it, Europe you... in a year, like five grand, you can, you can get over there. I'm not saying you're going to be able to do the grand tour, yeah. but you could backpack in Europe for 5,000 bucks. Totally. Like back in the, back in the day when I was playing music, like living in a crappy apartment, not eating much, like not taking care of myself at all, but I could afford like a $2,000 guitar head. <laughs> and it like, doesn't make sense at all. I had like nothing to my name, but five or six grand worth of music equipment. I'm like, why? Like, <laughs> Man, musicians, I could, musicians are nuts. I, yeah. like, I can't tell you, especially as a drummer, like drums are so expensive. And yeah. like, I've spent $2,000 on a, on a ride cymbal. You yeah, know, it's totally. like on one cymbal. And it's like, what is wrong with me? You know, but the thing is music, especially is one of those things where they last forever. And in, in guitars, especially, I mean, like the value is really only going to go up unless you bought something garbage, like yeah. something made offshore. But if you have anything American made, like, or even Canadian, like with Godin and some people say Godin, I don't know. I, I don't know what it is. Yeah. I have some, I, I'm pronouncing it poorly. I, I have a bass from them, but anyway, like, Canadian made stuff too, but speci specifically American made guitars, those things only go up in value. Like yeah. even a 2020 Fender is going to be worth more money 30 years from now than it is now. It's, totally. it's just crazy. Like, so it, it'll end up working out. I I've done that with drums. I spent like stupid amounts of money on it thinking like, how could I couldn't afford to eat properly. And I'm, I have like Dumping more music money. equipment than what my house is worth. It's yeah. Like, you, you could have sold a few of those and bought that hearse to like <laughs> 10 years ago. Oh, easily. <laughs> yeah. Man, I, I swear to you, I've, I've spent more than what I paid for that hearse in, on a drum set before. Yeah. And I don't even play, like I play drums at home, but I'm not dr yeah. playing drums in bands anymore. It's funny with the guitars, like the two that I have and that I used in my last band are kind of like my motorcycles and my truck, like not Frankenstein together, but kind of like just rigged up the way I want them to work. So both of them are heinous, but they've like changed hick pickups and knobs and just like manipulate, like they're worthless. They That's were awesome. once like not expensive, but worthwhile guitar stone. But I love Frankenstein and, stuff, man. And That's now so they're cool. like, yeah, they're like, absolutely. I couldn't get 50 bucks for them with the, <laughs> the way that they look right now, but I love playing them. I just like made them to feel the way I was comfortable with. For sure. Um, so yeah, my guitars are worth it. And I've actually like, with that being said, like sold off all of that stuff in kind of pursuit of motorcycles and other sure, passions. Yeah. I've sold almost everything except for like the core stuff Be yeah. because like, I feel like once I have a big enough space, in life, I actually will get use out of it. I, I, that's why like there's certain things I won't get rid of. I, I used to have four drum sets at one point and yeah. now I have two left. I had, I have my gigging kit, the one that I used to take on the road with me. Yeah. And then I have my studio kit still, which I used to do in the studio, but I, I got rid of the two beater kits that I would have for like a jazz gig or I have, I used to have a, a Zeppelin custom kit, which was like, um, it was from Ludwig and it was this enormous, like 26 inch bass drum. Was that the acrylic? It was the other one. So, oh, okay. so there was, yeah, Bonham had the acrylic, but then I had the pearl sparkle kit. Okay. It yeah. was not a pearl kit, but it's like pearl white yeah. on a Ludwig kit. And it yeah. was this giant bass drum and it was super cool, but it's like, I don't need four drum kits, right? Yeah, There's totally. other things that are more important, but I'm like, I'm going to keep the ones that I'm in love with. I'll keep these other two kits. And, yeah. but yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, but we have to wrap this thing up. I can't believe an hour went by already. Holy smokes. All right. But, Having said that, I want to give you the floor. So why don't you let people know where they can find you uh, if they need to get stuff done, like name off some things that you do that you're that you love doing and you want people to pay you to do them for yeah. you and how they can find you. Uh, well, these days I'm like booked on the contracting end of space. Um, Weekend Culture Co. on Instagram. I intermittently post pictures. I'm pretty poor at it, <laughs> but I sometimes update that stuff. Um, and before long, I'll be announcing the motorcycle stuff, but uh, through Weekend Culture Co., you can get a hold of me even for motorcycle stuff as we start up this business. Um, and I'm probably booking into next spring in the contractor business, but if you're looking for fences, decks, anything next year, hit me up cool. on Weekend Culture Co. Awesome, man. This has been an absolute pleasure having yeah, you here. Great conversation. This is, I think, the first time where I really got distracted. I was so excited to talk about hobbies that we, we actually drifted from the, 
from the business side of things, but I think that's good. It's important because uh, people need to see all different sides of business owners and entrepreneurs and people that just do what they love because there's so many other factors. It's more than just the work. There's totally. all these other things that inspire you to do what you do, right? So. Exactly. I think that like that's a focal point in my life these days is, yeah, I'm a woodworker, a carpenter, I build stuff, but like engaging in the rest of me is important important and builds that business in itself and builds the um the craftsmanship that i bring to the table i love it man thank you for being here thank I you i appreciate it you guys are listening to above the mug and we will see you next week hey friend thanks so much for listening to this episode of above the mug for more episodes check us out at above Make sure to like, share, subscribe, review, comment, tag your friends. This way you're not the only person listening to this thing. We come up with a brand new podcast every Sunday at noon, so we'll see you next week on Above the Mug.